Hey team, you're about to listen to my interview with Jesse Rag. Jesse is the co-founder and MD of eChameleon out of Leipzig, Germany. And eChameleon is a really cool tool for e-commerce merchants that want to list on multiple channels, multiple marketplaces, and other digital channels. So you can think of it as an omni-channel listing tool and a lightweight PIM all rolled into one. Enjoy the conversation I had with Jesse. I think you'll learn a lot. This is the e-commerce edge podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. Hello, everybody. I have a fantastic episode up for you today. I have Jesse Rag from eChameleon. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jason. It's great to be here. It's great to, to, that the roles can be flipped. I was recently on your podcast and that we had a great conversation and I got to talk about all the stuff I'm doing and you asked some fabulous questions and I think I may have been one of your very first guests. So it is great to have you along for the ride today. It's fantastic, Jason. But you were the first podcast I ever recorded. There were six episodes that I released when I first launched the podcast a few weeks ago and I wanted to release them all in one go so that I had a good range for people to listen to when they first discovered it. And I think you were on there as episode number three but officially you were the first podcast I ever recorded. And you might not have been able to tell, but my feet were quivering under the table. I was racked with nerves. Uh, but yeah, as you said, we had a great conversation. So it's really cool to be able to flip the tables and yeah, be on as a guest. This I couldn't tell. And you were very solid. I think I told you at the time that uh, I certainly, unless you told me, I certainly wouldn't have never known that was your first episode. A very well-spoken lad and really asked some fab fabulous questions. We did have a great conversation. But I wanted to have the opportunity to ask you about eChameleon, and you guys have built some amazing technology. Your co-founder and MD of eChameleon. It's not your first foray into entrepreneurship and sales and marketing and tech. You do have a varied background all the way back. If we look back quite a while ago, you were also even involved in real estate. So you've got a varied background, but how did eChameleon, before we even talk about what eChameleon is, you're now, your accent is obviously not German, but you're based in Leipzig in Germany. How did eChameleon even come to be? It's a long story. I'll try and make it as concise as I can. Chameleon started out as a series of tools at a marketplace agency called Intercultural Elements. Now, Intercultural Elements was founded in 2007 by my now business partner, along with an ex-channel advisor employee and his German wife. And the agency originally was set up to help channel advisor sellers start expanding internationally via marketplaces. So typically they were helping UK and US-based online retailers that were doing well domestically and they were using the channel advisor technology. So they had a technical integration to marketplaces. At the time, it was mostly eBay marketplaces in Europe, and they wanted to take advantage of that. But the technical connection is only half of the battle. You also have to be able to deal with the actual product data side of things, which was it would be something as simple as every marketplace, every eBay marketplace would have different rules and requirements as to things like title length and descriptions and what a product listing could look like, whether you could call a pair of shoes silver or gray, depending on if it was men's or women's, and if you were selling on eBay Germany or eBay France. And these were all the kind of nuances that this agency originally set out to try and solve on top of things like translation and customer service for these British and American sellers. And over the years, the agency built out more and more services around this. They added more marketplaces. Obviously, Amazon became more prominent in Europe. And then there were more and more marketplaces 
appearing over the years and then it evolved in such a way that we also started helping sellers that were using other tools that were competitors of channel advisor or they weren't using any tools and we would help them get started using tools like channel advisor or limworks or plenty markets is a big one in germany or net even being a big one in france and you probably know from the US, you'd know tools like Salsify and Seller Active. And so we would really help our sellers figure out for themselves what the best tools would be. We would implement those tools for them. And then we would use that as a foundation for them to expand internationally using marketplaces specifically for that toe in the water approach to get going in a new country, for example, Germany or France, without having to go the whole nine yards of founding a company there, founding an entity, having boots on the ground in that country, and just figuring out first and foremost if there was a market for the products there. And marketplaces were always a good tool for that as far back as 2007. And eChameleon, to answer your question, as I said, it started out as a number of internal tools that we used to help with that process. It began as basically some crazy Excel spreadsheets that grew into some databases, that grew into some .NET tools, that grew into what is now a cloud solution. And back in 2019, by this point, I was also working at the agency as head of sales. My now business partner, Edward, uh, he and I founded eChameleon as a separate company. We raised venture capital. We purchased these the IP and the software that had been built to this point, and we brought it into a new company and brought some of the developers across with us and some of the account managers across with us to continue developing this eChameleon product as something that we could offer as a software rather than the services that we were offering at the agency. And that's how it was born. Wow, what an exciting story. And I'm guessing that the name eChameleon, correct me if I'm wrong, you can tell me, obviously product data needs to take many different forms, almost like a chameleon changes colors to adapt to its environment. Product data needs to take many different forms depending on the channel and depending on the marketplace, and depending on the country, depending on the syntax, depending on the rules. And so therefore, you're able to transform data into multiple different data models, depending on the channel. And is that how the eChameleon name came to be? Yeah, that's one half of it. The other half is also the fact that every seller has their own processes, their own systems, their own ways of working. One seller might call it item number, the next one calls it SKU, the next one calls it product number, the next one calls it article number, you name it. And for every attribute, for every piece of information that there is about an individual product, there might be 50 different ways that you could name that. And then there might be 50 different values. I recently had Stefan Haney on my podcast, and he mentioned that when Amazon were trying to create like a unified sizing table, there were hundreds of thousands of values that Amazon had received over the years just for shoe sizes. And you'd think there might be hundreds at the most. There's a 42 or 38 to 48, maybe 5 to 15 and that might be it, but no, there were hundreds of thousands of values that Amazon had received. And this is because every seller has their own different way of working with these systems and with this product data. And eChameleon is flexible from the marketplace perspective because every marketplace, every sales channel works differently, but also every seller works differently. And every seller has different data and needs to be able to work with the system differently. And so that flexibility that eChameleon was built from the ground up to offer also has to cater to being flexible to accept any kind of data from any kind of seller in any category, in any language, regardless of what shop system, what ERP system they're working with. We just kind of mold to fit into that process. 
And for merchants that don't know what I have noticed, and I'd love to get your take on whether to validate my understanding and my thinking of how the market, the direction the market is going. What I'm seeing out there is more and more merchants are implementing a dedicated PIM system, a product information management system, because your typical ERP isn't designed to manage product data in a granular way with all of the attributes associated with it. Most ERPs handle things like product name, the SKU, the price, the inventory level, some really core product data, maybe one or two attributes, and the odd ERP will be able to handle one or two images maybe associated with a product or maybe some thumbnails associated with a product, but they are not really designed to be able to slice and dice product data and hundreds of product attributes and variants and all of the other things that go into being able to effectively list products on a marketplace. And as a result of that, many merchants are implementing PIM systems for all of the enriched data. So all of the product attributes, all of the product attribute values, all of the calculated values. So for example, you may have two different attributes that have to be concatenated together to, to generate a third value, or you may have truncated values because you have a channel that requires field validation that's limited by character length or something strange like that, or you have three different layers of attribution for a product and its variants. So there's a lot of complexity in product configuration, and there's a whole lot of enriched product data, product videos, product spec sheets, PDFs, a whole bunch of other information that can often be associated with a product that an ERP just is not designed to handle well and be able to send out to different channels. And so therefore, PIM systems have evolved and grown up and become very commonplace for a lot of merchants to use for all that enriched and calculated product data with specific rules and enrichment rules and workflows within a business. You might have two or three merchandisers within a business that are enriching different aspects of a product before it's ready to go out to digital channels, including marketplaces. And so that's becoming very commonplace. So based on what you've described, it almost sounds like you've built a mini PIM as well as a channel advisor-like, I guess, omni-channel listing tool that can get that enriched product data sliced and diced specifically for the marketplaces that the product needs to go to in the right syntax, using the right rules for that specific marketplace. And then you also connect to those marketplaces to make it easy for merchants to actually list those products on those specific global marketplaces. Nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. What we try and it's hard for us to really describe in a in an acronym, in a traditional acronym, what we are, because we're not really a PIM. We're not, we're definitely not an ERP, but there isn't really a PIM or sorry, there isn't really an acronym for what eChameleon is and does because originally we didn't set out to become a PIM. We do market ourselves now as a PIM for marketplaces in the sense that if you're selling on marketplaces or if you're a marketplace business first and foremost, we're a PIM in that regard. There's a lot of things that a traditional PIM system does that we don't do or that aren't necessary for a marketplace business to be able to do, particularly when it comes to things like offline or brick and mortar businesses. But we do have those types of sellers that still use us as their PIM. The thing with eChameleon is no two customers have the same setup. So it's I like to say that it's a custom solution that's available off the shelf in the sense that Every seller who comes to us, the first thing we ask them is, how are you working right now? And how would you like to work? And then we'll tailor eChameleon to fit into that process somehow. That's Again, that's where the chameleon name comes from. It, it adapts to the processes that it needs to in order to bring the most value to the seller in that scenario. PIMs in general, I think, are a very good and very powerful tool for a seller in that situation that you described, where an ERP doesn't quite cut the mustard in terms of product data. The problem with a lot of PIMs, particularly when, it is, when somebody's selling on a lot of channels, is that it, 
becomes very cluttered very quickly. Even if you, let's say you're only selling on your own website and three or four Amazon channels, that's already four titles that you have to manage and four colors, four sizes, four bullet points, four descriptions, four images, four everything. And you can't, you, it's unlikely that you'd be able to use the same values in multiple places, which means that you've got dark blue for Amazon USA, and you might have marine blue for Amazon UK, and you might have navy blue or dunkelblau for Amazon Germany. This is before you even start bringing in the non-Amazon channels. And so the issue that you have is that it becomes very hard to maintain like an overview of this product data that you've got. And if you realize you know, six months later, shit, this t-shirt's not dark blue, it's dark green or it's red. You've got to change it in all these different places. And the more channels you're on, the more sets of data you've got, the more your PIM system is being spammed. And because it's obviously, it's going to be based on databases, the more data you've got in there, the slower that database is going to load. So if you've got 10 products, that's fine. But if you've got a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand products, the more columns of data you've got in there for the more products, the harder it gets to have any semblance of an idea of what's going on with that data. And so this is how we try and differentiate ourselves from this kind of more traditional PIM in the sense that we would encourage our sellers to have usually about 30 attributes for a single product. Obviously that varies depending on the type of product and the category they're selling in. We tend to, we tend to work a lot more with this single source of truth mentality that we say once, okay, this product is dark blue. And then rather than having to create a separate value in the PIM that says Amazon color, eBay color, Walmart color, on buy color, Frugo color, et cetera, for each of the different marketplaces, we just have a mapping in the back end that will convert that dark blue into the relevant value for that category, for that marketplace, for that country, for that subcategory. Obviously, that's going to be different for every seller. That doesn't, you can't automate that for everybody. But the important thing is that you can then also see those values that eChameleon is creating. So you can always tweak the data that's being created by eChameleon, but it isn't your core data. You don't have to worry about maintaining this information for a hundred marketplaces. You just have to focus on your retail data and that the data that we have in eChameleon can in this setup be the data directly one-to-one -one from the ERP. And I guess, so if we think of eChameleon almost like a light PIM in the sense that, as you rightly point out, the PIM, other PIM systems that are designed to have all of the product data and all of its attributes and all its variations of data housed within the PIM, all those 15 different blues associated with the same product, depending on the channel that it needs to go to, that data would be housed in the PIM traditionally. But in yours, it sounds like we'll have one instance of the blue, one name for blue for our product in your system. And then the data gets transformed or mapped to the equivalent blue in the channel that you are actually sending that data to at the time on the fly. And so it's really more of a I guess we can think of it more as a mapping solution. Yes, you've got that original blue color associated with the product in eChameleon, absolutely. So you've got those maybe 20, 30 relevant attributes, a single version of those attributes in eChameleon, but it is able to map to the equivalent attribute in the destination channel on the way through eChameleon. That's right, that's right. And I guess also what you have to think about as a channel connector is the fact that I'm guessing that sometimes you aren't necessarily connecting to a transactional marketplace channel. Sometimes you're sending data out to a shopping comparison website, or you may have to send data out to a social platform. Or So I guess you are really creating the catalogs in a channel specific way on Outbound. 
That's right. And what when I say channel, I try and think of I'm trying I'm still honestly trying to think of the best marketing terminology for this. What do, you know, on on the one hand we call it a marketplace, on the other hand we call it a sales channel or a or an output or an export or a destination. The data which is going out of eChameleon was obviously it was built for marketplaces and that means that it's able to handle quite complex output requirements, but we've seen all kinds of use cases. We have some sellers that will have next to their outputs for Amazon, Zalando, Otto, and eBay, they'll also have one for Shopify, and they'll be using eChameleon to create their product data for their Shopify store, or they'll have an export which will have certain values, such as their Amazon title, and then their individual marketplace pricing, and that goes out in a, an export file for Sage or for Zero in a specific CSV file that they can then push to a Google Sheet and use something like a Zapier to pull that data straight into their Sage. There's all kinds of use cases. The idea, though, is that each of these individual channels or individual systems that you might want to connect and that might want to have some form of product data in some format can theoretically then all be steered from this one system whether it's a sales channel or even if it's just an internal process or internal. That's very true of, of PIM systems. So typically the workflows that we would see, and I'm guessing you see very similar workflows, typically what we would see is we would see an integration between the ERP and the PIM as the first step. And so the core product data, the, the name, the SKU, maybe a basic, very short basic description, may, maybe inventory and price, but oftentimes inventory and price go directly to the sales channel via direct integration with the ERP. But from there, typically what we'd see is we'd see all the enrichment processes happening directly within the PIM. And then from there, we would see that going to the website in an enriched way, ready to rock and roll with short description, long description, those 50 attributes and all of the variants and the variant linkages and everything else happening in the PIM system. And then those going out to the sales channels, whether that be a marketplace, whether that be a social channel, whether that be a whether that be a website. And oftentimes these, if you're selling on, if you're a major merchant and you're selling on multiple global marketplaces, typically you will also have multiple localized websites as well. So if you're obviously if you're selling in Germany, sure, you could have a translator on your website to German and everything else, but it's far better to have the entire experience localized. If Germany is a major market of yours and the United States is a major market of yours, then obviously you're going to have localized websites for DE and for .com, say, for example, and you're going to have a completely localized, personalized experience. And that's not just translating a few info pages. That's translating full descriptions and attributes and everything else to make them localized. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing the necessity of instead of uploading a bunch of CSVs to these websites with information, we're seeing direct connections to a PIM system that has all those lo all that localized data, all organized exactly for region, exactly for channel, and then it's all ready to rock and roll. And so that way, instead of making updates directly to a website, you're making updates in the PIM system one, and then it can be sliced and diced to go out to all those different channels. And it sounds like pretty much that's exactly what you've designed eChameleon to do so that you're not just working with marketplaces. You can send that data out to any transactional or marketing channel that the merchant wants to send it to. Yeah. And I think a really a nice way of differentiating that, which you touched on there, is that unlike a traditional PIM, and I think this also is, it speaks to where we came from the agency experience. It's not just about taking the data that you've got and throwing it at a marketplace, because that great quality German translation that you've just thrown a hundred grand at to get all of your listings and your website looking as great as possible for the German market or the French market. That's fantastic. 
But the bad news is that it's probably not going to help you when it comes to selling on a German marketplace, because that German marketplace isn't going to allow you to call it Blau. They want Königsblau. They want to have a different value. And so you've now got to figure out how do I get this German content repurposed for these German marketplaces? And the idea with eChameleon is instead of throwing the data that you've already got at the marketplace and then getting a bunch of errors back and then figuring out how to solve those errors, what we do instead is we put the marketplace requirements in the first place in the beginning of the process. And we look at what does the marketplace actually want to have from me? How can I create highly optimized channel specific product data that's going to help me perform well on Otto, on Zalando, on About You? And then using the different tools and functionalities in eChameleon, you've got really granular product data from this single source of truth that you can stitch together. You can use different combinations, different tools, different functionalities, conversion tools, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all no code. You don't need to be able, you don't need to develop anything. You don't need to have a coder working out how this, how these business rules work. There's no complexity to it. And then you can just have that process work, but it's specific then for each channel. So the data that Zalando or Otto or Kaufland is getting is data, which is actually optimized specifically with that channel in mind. It's not just repurposed website content. And what you pointed out, something I think that a lot of merchants don't necessarily understand when they first start listing on, say, Amazon or eBay or whatever, is that these marketplaces that that are localized for multiple different regions. So if you're looking at Amazon.com versus Amazon.mx, you know, which is Mexico, which is where I'm based now, what we're seeing is we're seeing that there's almost, in many cases, there's no consistency even between their own localized channels. So if we look at amazon.com, they have very different rules and very different syntax and very different mappings to amazon.mx. And that goes for all of their localized channels around the world. And same for eBay. If you're looking at ebay.com.au, they have a very different mapping exercise. For example, if it's that they want to see, for example, just one tiny example, in the American market, in ebay.com, they want to see aluminum. In the .com.au market, they want to see aluminum to describe the metal aluminum or aluminum. And so we see lots and lots of examples, things and thousands of examples like that, where even internally, these marketplaces are not consistent with themselves, or at least they, they intentionally are not consistent with themselves because they are trying to also localize for the local markets in which they work in. And so therefore, your listings, in order to perform well in those regions, they need to be optimized for those regions. And as you say, we would rather, if a merchant is an American merchant and they want to sell in the Australian market, we don't want them to have to go through and list and have all of their products have both aluminum as an attribute, but also have aluminum as an attribute. What we'd rather do is we'd say, okay, they've got aluminum as an attribute. When it goes out to amazon.com.au, we're just simply going to call it. We're going to transform it on the way through, and we're going to map it to the aluminum attribute field for the material. And, and so even the marketplaces themselves are inconsistent. Yeah. And you, you gave the example of amazon.com versus amazon Mexico. But the thing is, amazon.com men's clothing versus women's clothing have completely different rules. So it's even the, just the granularities within a specific category on a specific marketplace are already complex enough before you then start throwing Walmart or Target or international marketplaces into the mix. And what that does, unfortunately, and this is why eChameleon exists, why we wanted to bring in yet another connector to marketplaces, it's very easy for somebody to succeed on Amazon. Obviously, there's a lot of steps involved with selling on Amazon, but it, it is easy as long as you follow those steps to succeed on Amazon. But the thing is, it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that the more success you have on Amazon, 
the more you invest into that success on Amazon. And then many businesses, and this is something we used to see quite a lot at our old agency, many businesses end up in a position where they become very reliant on Amazon. Amazon, in some cases, being responsible for upwards of 90% of the overall business revenue, which is a very dangerous position to be in because you only have to make one small mistake. You send, you, you miss one, you, you mark an item as shipped or you that hasn't been shipped or you mark an item as shipped at that a little bit too late. And that can be the difference between your account being suspended or not. Or even if your account was suspended and it turns out that Amazon had no right to suspend you and you lodge an appeal and you're successful at getting your account reinstated, that can take several weeks. And depending on the time of year, depending on the cash flow of the business at the time, that's those several weeks can be enough to kill a business. And you only have to have a look at the Amazon seller forums to see that is a fairly common occurrence. And that's a really dangerous position for, to be in as a business. And so what we're trying to do at eChameleon is just make it easier for sellers to become less reliant on Amazon, for people to become successful at marketplaces rather than just successful on Amazon. And the thing is, the harsh reality of that is that Amazon is such a powerhouse that there isn't a second channel, unless you can succeed on Alibaba or something like that, but there isn't a second channel really that's going to bring the same amount of revenue as Amazon will which means that it's not as simple as saying, okay, we'll add one more marketplace to the mix. Depending on the country, the category you're selling in, it can be that you might have to add 50 marketplaces to the mix. So then you can't put the same amount of effort into 50 marketplaces as you do into Amazon because none of those individual channels alone will justify it. So at that point, you then have to build a process which is scalable to let you sell on as many marketplaces as possible with as few amount of, with as little channel specific input if that makes sense channel specific effort absolutely C yeah. couldn't agree more and the there's two other things that that spring to mind based on what you just said which is that those marketplaces not only will they change rules not only will they change syntax not only will they it feels almost arbitrary in the sense that they make up rules on the fly that you can violate you didn't intentionally violate them it's that these marketplaces for lack of a better term are highly dynamic sales channels and so therefore you have to de-risk the dependence on any one of those sales channels because they are so dynamic. And I remember back in the day when we were helping Magento merchants integrate with eBay, with M2E, the connector M2E. And what we would find is that eBay would change its category structures pretty routinely. And so therefore, all of a sudden, you would be mapped with the right product to the right category at the right time. All of a sudden, that category would die. They would disappear. They would kill off that category. And then there would be an alert in M2E to say, hey, this category no longer exists. You need to remap these products to a category that exists, or this category deprecated, or it's moved to a different subcategory or whatever. And so now you need to go and revisit all of these because this category ID has changed or something like that. And so therefore, your listings have died because that category no longer exists or has been moved. So there is a lot going on within these channels that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but they don't have to have malicious intent. I, in fact, I don't think these marketplaces have malicious intent towards merchants, but they are just by their very nature, super, super dynamic. And so therefore you have to have a system that is also dynamic. So how do you deal with the types of dynamic changes that these marketplaces make on a very routine basis? And then secondarily, I'm guessing that you also have the return connector that then once a transaction takes place on those marketplaces, you can suck those orders down, send them into, for example, an ERP or WMS for fulfillment, and then re-update the marketplace once that once that shipment has been fulfilled. Yeah. So that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked because it's something that's, that was honestly one of the, the main reasons that we had to build something complementary to the tools that our sellers were using at the agencies that we were at, because 
we had the same experiences. We would, I remember specifically, there was a case where we created about 30,000 product listings for eBay. And in the day we went to list them, eBay had changed all of its categories and we had the exact same issue. So we had to redo these categories for 30,000 products, which luckily in eChameleon only took a few hours. But the end result was that this particular seller was then the only seller in these new categories. And so his product wow. flew off the shelf. And that's a really good example of why this sometimes works in your ben it works in works to your advantage to stay up to date on this inf on this stuff when the marketplaces are making these changes. But we've had weeks where, uh, and to answer your question, we keep this information up to date usually by usually via API. Most marketplaces do provide their templates, their requirements by an API, so we can just collect it in straight into eChameleon. We update it in most cases several times a week. But we've had weeks where we've downloaded gigabytes of changes just from eBay alone, where when they've gone through and done done big changes. But here's the crux that a lot of people don't realize. Every now and then, and eBay is particularly guilty of this, but every now and then a marketplace will send out some sort of a notification to sellers saying something along the lines of, hey, from March 30th, there's a bunch of new categories or new mandatory fields or whatever. And you, if your listings aren't up to date, your listings are going to go offline. What most people don't realize is that these new values have actually existed for sometimes two years. It's not one day to the next. They're not just being dicks about it. It's just that they don't send out the notification until kind of the last minute because they don't realize that for sellers, it's very hard to stay up to date on what's actually happening. And this is again, why in eChameleon, we've all, we're always updating this information. We quite often see that a new category will pop up or a better category will pop up or a category might change and our sellers will move themselves into these new categories and they'll start performing better just because they're the only sellers in those categories. And from the consumer perspective, they don't see the difference, right? They just go onto eBay for the first time. They're looking to buy that one product. They go to the right category in the eBay front end. And maybe there's only one product there because only one seller actually knew that this category exists. And that's really where you start to see a difference. And now we're talking about organic growth because that doesn't cost anything. You're not having to pay more per click than the competitors. Sometimes you're paying less because you're the only one in that category. And that's where it starts to become really interesting. And the more products you've got, the more marketplaces you're selling on, the more opportunities there are for these kinds of little wins. And the, I guess a lot of these marketplaces will also allow you to do a list. They will allow you to list in multiple appropriate categories because you might, you might have, I don't know, you might have a broom. And so therefore you might have home and garden, you might have industrial and shop, you might have, you might have multiple categories or subcategories or sub subcategories your product is relevant for and so therefore you can actually list your products in these multiple categories and to the marketplace they just look at categories as an additional attribute of that product to help your product to be found in additional ways and to be granularly searched for by customers that are looking on that marketplace for your product and so being able to list in multiple categories simultaneously and be able to keep that completely up to date with the most relevant sub subcategories that could be a massive win for a merchant that maybe for example, only has a relatively small catalog. They might only have 100 products or 150 products, not 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000 like a Granger. And so therefore, the categories that they list in start to become super critical to their sale. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for those sellers that, oh, sorry, for those marketplaces where it's not always possible to sell in multiple categories, there's also workarounds. And there's, no, there's nothing to say that you can't create multiple products which have similar but not necessarily exactly the same which then from an order perspective still lands in your ERP as the same SKU being ordered. So there's many ways to play the 
to play the game in that sense. As long as it's being done above board with the marketplaces, as long as they don't think you're trying to screw over the system, if you're wanting to combine multiple products to create a bundle, which might then land in a different category to each of the individual products on their own, there's lots of ways that you can drive additional sales that way as well. And you ask about, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so at that point, then you guys would also bring down those orders and push them into, say, an ERP and re-update from a status perspective, the ship, shipment details with the tracking details and all that sort of stuff into those specific marketplaces as well. Yeah. So that's another part of the puzzle that we had to, that we had to be able to solve for our customers because, and I should say, when we first hit the market, we didn't plan to actually build the integrations with marketplaces. Originally, we wanted to be almost a replacement for Microsoft Excel. We wanted to offer a tool that people could use alongside existing systems and processes. We assumed that most of our sellers were happy with their integration providers and that they were happy with the way that their product data was being pushed to marketplaces. And they just needed a way of being able to create that product data. So when we first built eChameleon and we came to market, we were a bit surprised when the first customers we won were like, hey, can you guys not just build the integrations and then we don't need to use this other tool as well? So that was why we originally started building out the PIM functionalities. But then, yeah, as you say, the next question that came was, can you build something so that the orders that I'm getting from this marketplace can land in my ERP? Oh, and by the way, my ERP has a character limit of 75 characters. So if the address line one is longer than 70, 75 characters, can you split it over onto address line two automatically? Oh, and we don't call it shipping number. We call it tracking number. Oh, and we don't say shipping status sent. We call it shipping status 60. Can you convert that information and pass that back to the marketplace? Can you convert this information from the marketplace that when they call it DEU that we receive Germany? And that when they say Express International, we call it Royal Mail International. These are all the little nuances that it's not just, a, again, it's similar to what we talked about with the product data. Every marketplace provides this order data in a very unique fashion. And most ERPs can't handle that. And that hasn't even begun to touch on the topic of things like invoices, dispatch notes, which have to contain certain information, or they have to be in a certain layout, or they have to have the marketplace logo on them, or they have to be created in a specific PDF format and sent to a particular email address. There's all these marketplace-specific nuances that ERPs just aren't built to handle that we've then had to build solutions for over the years. And again, this is where we now struggle to figure out how to properly market ourselves, because that's generally not something that people are looking for. And it's not really a PIM system. It's more of a marketplace hold plugger, for lack yeah, of a better yeah. word. Yeah, gap filler, yeah. which makes complete sense. And I guess that's a perfect segue into how you sell and market and price your product. It looks like you've effectively broken your platform up into three unique modules that customers can mix and match almost on an a la carte fashion. You've got your integration manager, which effectively connects a merchant system to yours and then from your system on out to the specific marketplaces starting at 29 euros a month. Then you've got the data creator, which is allows collaboration both with your internal team as well as say third-party suppliers and vendors to be able to create and update specific products and listings using your platform. And then you've got the product center, which is almost that lightweight PIM system for marketplaces, which is becomes for businesses that don't already have a full-blown heavyweight, full bore PIM, then they can use your system as that single source of truth for all those custom attributes that then do need to be sent out to the specific marketplaces in an optimized way. So it feels like merchants have the ability to mix and match the pieces and the modules of your platform that they actually need for their business. 
Yeah. And to be honest with you, the way that we market these three products, it's the same technology at the end of the day. It's really how is it configured for the individual seller? Which parts of the puzzle do they actually need a solution to? The data creator product, we're probably going to stop marketing, to be honest, because it's something that this was our original product. And it was the one that was more designed to replace Microsoft Excel. And it's something that we still sell to agencies where they are doing the same work that we used to do in the agency, but their customers then still have a different provider. And so for them, it's more just about how do we create 20 flat files in the most efficient way possible that we can then upload into our customers' Seller Central account. And so that's something that we still mark, that we do still have, but it's not one of, it's not really our core product. Our golden egg is product center. That's the PIM system that we've been talking about. Integration manager is, I like to think of it as like a Zapier for marketplaces. You've still got to have the, someone somewhere still has to be able to create the product data. So it puts the onus on our customer to know what the individual sales channel needs the product data to look like. So in that per in that sense, is if they've got a way of creating their own product data that's going to work for the channel and they just need a way of transferring it from A to B, then that's a cheaper alternative for us to be able to pass it on and they can just benefit from our integrations. And that's something that we also sell actually to, to competitors. So we also have an entirely different product that isn't marketed as such, but we're like an API builder for middlewares where for a middleware to be able to offer a new integration, they need to be able to build that integration. But our team is so good at building marketplace integrations that our competitors are coming to us and using our integrations instead of building it themselves because it's a more efficient way of doing it. And so that's something that was originally built for sellers that have the product data and they just need to be able to transfer it from A to B, but it's proving to be a pretty cool product for us in, in general. So we can think of that almost as like just a go a standalone, almost like a go data feed all on its own. Yeah, exactly. So go data feed, Hannibal, it's it competes with with your feed management tools. But the main difference there is that it's not a black box. You don't just put data in and never see it again until it shows up on a marketplace somewhere. You still have the option of seeing the output and being able to edit the output before it's then sent to the marketplace. Very nice. And it looks like within each of those modules, you also have it based on tiers, based on the number of SKUs or the number of items that are going to be sent out to those specific marketplaces as well. Yeah, Or exactly. housed within your system. Correct. Yeah. So for somebody with a small inventory, it's it becomes a very affordable way of getting listed onto a new marketplace. But the more channels, the more products, the more it costs in effect. But yeah, for someone with less than a thousand products, there's options there starting from 29 euros a month. And the beauty of that is also that even if you had 100,000 items, you might only choose to take your top 10% of your items, whether it be 10,000 or 1,000 items, you might only choose to take the best performing or the most competitively priced products from your catalog. You may take a subset and send those out to marketplaces to assess performance. And so therefore they can, they can get underneath those thresholds that save them a bit of money with your platform as well. Yeah, and it's also entirely possible to combine different products as well. So for example, we a brand or a retailer that maybe is selling products, some products which are already listed on Amazon, there's already product information on Amazon and they just want to piggyback onto those listings with an offer. That's something that our integration manager would work for. So maybe for 90% of their inventory, they would use integration manager to submit an offer to Amazon and to be able to get the orders back into their ERP system. 
And then for the other 10%, they would use our product center to be able to create really high quality product listings for the to manage the pages that they've got the brand registry for. Makes complete sense. Now, Jesse, I'm really, I'm so conscious of the time and I'm so thankful that you've shared all your knowledge. You've obviously been doing this for a very, very long time. What is the best way for to get a hold of you or eChameleon? Is it best that they just go to eChameleon.com, which is your homepage? It's just for everybody wondering what the spelling is. E-C-O-E-L-E-O-N.com is eChameleon. Would you prefer that they just go there, that they click on start the conversation that will reach out to you? Or would you prefer that people reach out to you, Jesse Rag, on LinkedIn? Or where would you prefer or how would you prefer people get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Yeah, either or is great. LinkedIn is always a great way if you want to reach me personally. Or yeah, you can go through the website. What I would say is if you use any of our contact forms or if you do reach out to me some way in writing, just mention that you heard this podcast and we'd be happy to offer a 25% discount on the first three months with eChameleon to help you get started and figure out if it's something for you. Wow, massive benefit. I really appreciate that for the e-commerce edge listeners there, 25% off first three months. That's a really genuine offer. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure our listeners will too. So I would encourage them to reach out to you and reach out to you on on either LinkedIn or go to ecameleon.com and find out more. Now we're at the point of the podcast where I get to flip the script a little bit and I get to let you ask me one question, any question you like. It can be personal, it can be professional, whatever the case may be. And so I'll turn it over to you, Jesse Rag from eChameleon. What's your question for me today? Big commerce or Magento? <laughs> was this a softball? Was this intentional? No, look, it's a funny one. Look, I think Magento has its place in the world, but none, not for my clients anymore. I come from a long, extensive history working with Magento, right from Magento 1, right from the early days. Worked for a Magento Gold Partner Agency for five years and had a lot of experience there. Magento was great in its day. I think it's past its use by date now. And I think BigCommerce is vastly superior. And I really, as a consultant, I really only work with SaaS platforms. And Magento is not a SaaS platform. They try to sell it as a cloud platform, but it's really just pass. And so for me, I think that most merchants today benefit from not having to think about PCI compliance. I think they benefit from not having to worry about scalability. I think they're not having to think about updates and security patches and PCI compliance and all those different pain points that merchants have to think about with e-com. Being able to hand that off to a vendor as part of a single monthly subscription fee, I think there's no comparison there. And I think that big commerce, particularly as it's starting to grow its enterprise functionality and its B2B functionality, I think it's, I think it's a really solid platform. And for me, I just don't work with on-prem stuff anymore. Not to say that Magento didn't have its day because it absolutely did, but I think it's I think it's past its use by date. That's my mm. personal opinion. Good to know. I share the same opinion. It's something that we're that we're contending with a lot. We get more and more people asking if we're going to integrate with Magento, and every time I'm just like, ah, is it really worth it? Is it going to be worth? Is it still going to be there? So I'm glad to hear you say that from your perspective, Jason. I also really appreciate you taking the time to to give Ecomelian the space and to let us introduce what we've built to your audience. If I can be so bold, I'd also love to just take this opportunity to just direct anyone who's interested and who's obviously into listening to podcasts to maybe also check out your episode on the Marketplace Jungle podcast. Because if Marketplace is an interesting topic, and I mean, when I say Marketplace, it's more than just Amazon, then that's exactly what we're trying to cover in the Marketplace Jungle podcast to talk about the never-ending list of marketplaces that exist as sales channel opportunities for sellers that don't start with Amazon dot something. I would love them to go and check out your podcast and specifically our episode because I think we covered some great ground. But as you say, you launched six, you came out hot 
Yeah, you were coming in hot with six episodes straight out of the gate. So I would absolutely people encourage my audience to go and check out your your new podcast series. It is a jungle out there. It really is. And I think that you're doing great stuff. You are putting out great content. You are educating. You are entertaining. You're well-spoken. You clearly understand the industry very well. I think that your desire and your ability to educate with no expectation of necessarily anything in return. Of course, we all hope that our content leads to extra business if if it makes sense and if we're aligned with the customer. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, I think, is hopefully share from some hard, hard fought learnings along the way. It is, I've been in this industry for over 20 years and there's been a lot of pain to get to where I am today. And hopefully my audience gets to benefit from that pain and to learn from that pain so they don't have to make all the mistakes themselves. And I'm sure that you have helped my audience to avoid some of the pitfalls of listing on marketplaces in particular. And I really appreciate your time today, Jesse. This is such a great conversation. I'd love to chat with you again in another 12, 18 months and see what you've done with eChameleon. And that, that, that brings up one final question for me, just before we finish up, what is on your roadmap today that you see as like maybe the top one or two pieces of functionality that your customers are asking for that you see as being important for your platform that you're going to add over maybe the next six to 18 months? So we've spent most of the last three years since we found the company and brought the software over from the agency, building functionalities and features and and getting to the point that we now have this solution that we've been talking about today. The next steps on our roadmap is scaling it to work with more marketplaces. So we're now at a point that we can integrate a marketplace sometimes within a few hours. We've integrated what we've just we're on the 1st of March right now at the time of recording in February, I think we introduced 11 new marketplaces to eChameleon. This year, we're looking at probably integrating around 100 new sales channels for our sellers. And the difference there is that I'm not talking about integrations in terms of what we talked about with shopping feeds. It's not just about passing on an inventory amount and a price and a shipping time. This is a full integration that covers all aspects of what we've talked about today. So the team are extremely efficient at building new marketplace integrations. And yeah, that's one one major aspect. And the other one, to be honest, is solving a bit of a a bit of a growing pain that we're having at the moment, just with some some new fun- functionalities around stability, because we've got some sellers that have got huge inventories. And so we're looking at bringing in some more upgrades to help our system handle that. At the moment, if you've got more than 100 to 200,000 products in eChameleon, things can start to slow down. So we're looking at building in some functionalities to improve that. Jesse, thank you so much. That's very exciting. Love to, again, I'd love to chat with you another 12, 18 months. I'm sure eChameleon will have come a long way in the intervening time. I wish you every success and I look forward to chatting again soon, mate. Thank you, Jason. Anytime. Are you a B2B or D2C e-commerce merchant? Then head over to greenwoodconsulting.net to learn how we can help you scale your business. 